Welcome to Fireside Nets, episode 187. This is your place for all Nets news, information, reactions, interviews, game breakdowns, and so much more. I am your host, Spen Harris, and we just, I'm spending in the Nets. And before I introduce myself and my my co-host for the day, uh, really quick, just wanted to address why it's just me today and, and why we, we took a break last week. Um, Pete is no longer co-hosting the show. Just decided to go in a different direction. It's really not bigger than that. That's it. Uh, but I wanted to give a huge shout out to Pete. I had Pete come in to co-host the show for the last seven to eight months. And I thought he did an outstanding job, not only co-hosting the show with me, but helping out with social media content, with graphics, uh, getting us out more promotion. He just did a ton for the show. He was an awesome co-host and a blast to work with. He also happens to do his own kick-ass Nets podcast, Nets fans you know, so check that out. He's still pumping out content over there, and we at Fireside Nets wish him nothing but the best. So like I said, different direction, didn't record an episode, and I was thinking who can come back and you know be the co-host for right now uh, I found this schmuck that I used to host the show with. He was he was doing nothing. The, the kid just sits at home all day. He works for, for a chocolate milk company. But I thought, hey, why not bring him on the show a few episodes? He's a diehard Nets fan. He's lived in Brooklyn before. One of the nastiest left-handed Hebrew hoopers under six foot in New York City. Former Fireside Nets co-host making his triumphant return, Nick. The prick, Shanman. Well, I don't know if the prick is the, is my legit nickname. You know, I I actually think I'm less. First of all, thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to be back. Uh, miss doing this stuff. Miss talking Nets. The sad thing is, I think I'm less of a Nets fan now than I was when I did the podcast full time because they suck and they're just like really hard to watch and getting blown out by mediocre teams. With that said. I'm excited. The prick is excited to uh, to be talking Nets basketball with Spenny in the Nets, but it's been a tough couple months to the point where we're going to talk about it. But if you thought I was miserable last time I was here, just wait until today because I'm bringing all the misery and none of the company. Yeah, listen, I, I understand that you may have taken your foot off the gas pedal when it comes to being a Nets fan and not hosting a Nets podcast. We'll do that to you. Uh, but I got you back in. You're, you're in for now, and you're going to watch Nets basketball. We're going to talk about it, Nick. And the first thing we're going to talk about on today's episode of Fireside Nets is the departure of Coach Jacques Vaughn. So he was released. His job was taken from him on Monday, February 19th, and this was a few days after the Nets had lost to 50 against the Boston Celtics in Boston Jacques Vaughn is out. Nick, before we get to interim head coach Kevin Ali, what will you remember most about Coach Jacques Vaughn? His beard. His salt and pepper beard. It was it's marvelous. Um, 
I like Jacques Vaughn's energy. I think for a while, and obviously things went downhill, the team did rally around him. Uh, as a former player, I think he commands a level of respect. You know, what I'll remember is taking a chance uh, on a guy who seemed to have the belief and the confidence in, in his guys. I think he caters to young guys well. Uh, I think he's a great communicator. I think he's, he seems like a just an overall well-respected guy in the organization. But when it came down to it, I think he just lacked the experience uh, and maybe even the chutzpah to lead this team and get them to the next level. We can also just say he was dealt a really shitty hand. But I think I remember he is a likable guy. I understand moving on. Things went downhill. But I think, who was before him? Kenny Atkinson? No, you're missing Steve Nash. Oh, God. What does that say about Steve Nash? I think no matter what, he came in, was definitely, there was a level of excitement to coming in after Atkinson and Nash. I think he was the guy we believed in, uh, people believed in and respected, but I got nothing bad to say. He's been dealt in bad hands, and it was just time for us and him to move on. Yeah, so when I look back at Vaughn's tenure with the Brooklyn Nets, I think, A, we could have had Ime Adoka, decided not to have him, decided to stick it out with Vaughn, and this, you know, and uh, and Vaughn, by the way, inherited the KD Kyrie team, right? Because Nash was let go a uh, few games into the season last year. So Vaughn gets that job. He's the head coach for a little bit. And obviously, you know, Nets fans were clamoring for him Doka after everything happened in Boston. The Nets don't go after him. They make Vaughn the permanent head coach. I, I just I just thought he was destined to fail from the moment that they made that announcement. You know, fast forward, you have the KD Kyrie trade requests, they depart, and all of a sudden Vaughn has this brand new Nets team with Bridges and Johnson, and that was going to be a challenge for any coach, and I don't think that Vaughn was graded for his second-half performance and the playoff sweep uh, against Philadelphia. I think he was graded for their performance this year. If you remember, Nick, Going into the season, people were looking at the Nets as a potential sixth seed in the East. They were thinking, you know, with Mikael Bridges being a number one option, Ben Simmons hopefully plays, you know, Cam Thomas's emergence, Cam, Cam Johnson was coming off a really strong series against Philly. People really thought that that Vaughn would have these guys playing to a five, a, a fifth, sixth seed, you know, night, night in, night out performance. And that's how the year kind of started. I think the Nets were 13 and nine at one point under Vaughn. So I, I don't want to discredit him too much. But when things started going wrong, he just never was able to do anything to combat it. You know, he would have the same starting five night in, night out, losing games. He never once thought it was a smart move to maybe send Cam Johnson to the bench. Um, you know, and you had the whole Cam Thomas saga where he wasn't starting yet. He was scoring like 20, 30 points off the bench every night. There were just a lot of things. I don't think it's a, it's a, a matter of what Jock Vaughn did. I think it's a matter of what he didn't do this year. And you heard it from players, guys like Mikhail Bridges were, were starting to get a little bit annoyed with the game plan. It was supposed to revolve around Ben Simmons, but how can you have a game plan revolve around a guy who's never there? It was just a lot of things that I think Vaughn could have tweaked throughout his tenure this season that he didn't tweak. And now he's at home, you know, obviously he'll, he'll find another job in the NBA as an assistant. I don't think that he's going to get a head coaching job right away. He might not get one for the rest of his career, but I, I just think with, with everything that was going on, you know, you saw the unhappiness in Mikhail Bridges. And if you're Sean Marks, 
when you see that, when you see guys are visibly unhappy, especially guys who are supposed to be the face of your franchise, that's when you know it's time to make a change. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is to hammer home two things. Cam Thomas and these fourth quarter point differentials really come to mind as the as the biggest two confusing things to me. Didn't start Cam Thomas, then Cam Thomas started playing well. You know, who's the star of this team? I know it's supposed to be Mikhail Bridges. Who's taking the shots? Big emphasis on Cam Johnson. I think he was always taking too many shots. I know you're not the biggest Cam Johnson guy. And that fourth quarter point differential, uh, I think at one point we had like an average getting outscored in the fourth quarter by like 18. It was pathetic the amount of times we led in a game in the first, second, and third quarter and ended up blowing in the fourth, which sadly does come down sometimes to the coach and the rotation. So those are really the negative things I'll say about Jacques, but wish him the best. And uh, maybe he'll work at Jacques Therese now, selling chocolates. Wouldn't it be a bad job? They make an excellent product. Uh, last thing I'll say, he he would just be way too happy after losses. That pissed me off. I wanted to see him be angry more often. I don't, that's just a me thing. Like I, I'm not going to credit anything the Knicks do, but something I like about Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Knicks, is even after wins, he just seems angry. Tom Thibodeau, Tim Stale, Thibodeau. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and that can go both ways, by the way, like the Hardo angry thing. Because then you had like, I think a Joe Judge for the Giants who was just always an angry Hardo and no one ever liked him. But like you can be an angry Hardo and win. Those are the guys that I like. I mean, think about probably the most acclaimed coach of the last 30 years is Bill Belichick. And I've never seen him smile once. So maybe that's sometimes what it takes. Maybe if Vaughn smiled less, he'd still be the head coach. Smile more. Now listen. Don't we, let we've... them know what you're against or what you're for. I don't even know that song. It's from Hamilton. Never saw it. Actually, that's not true. Mom and dad made me watch it, but I think I fell asleep. Um, all right. So with the departure of Jacques Vaughn, we now have this opportunity for Kevin Ollie, who becomes the interim head coach. He was named the, the interim head coach a day later after the Vaughn firing. And welcome to the NBA as a head coach, Kevin Ollie. Now, as an NBA player, Nick, Kevin Ollie averaged 3.8 points per game in, I believe it was, how many seasons did he play? 662 games in his career. He played for one, from 97 to 2010. So what is that, 12 seasons? Just about. Just about. Not a great NBA player. But, Seemed like a real journeyman if I'm looking here. Mavericks, you know Magic, what? Kings, Sixers, Nets, Bulls, Pacers, Bucks, Sonics, Cavs, Wolves, Thunder. Did play for the Nets. And you, you give credit to a guy like that who can stay in the NBA for that long and, and not be a great scorer. So he's been an assistant for the Nets for a minute. Uh, he, he did coach overtime elite before this. Before that, he was the head coach at Utah. U, Utah. UConn, he won the 2014 NCAA championship. So he is a former college basketball division one champion. You know, that's what you should have led with. Why are you going with his terrible playing career? Then to his G league coaching position backwards to his winning the NCAA tournament. He won the NCAA tournament, his third year at UConn, second or third year at UConn, one of the best basketball programs in the world collegiately. So if you're talking about a guy there's there's a there's a handful of guys who have won an NCAA championship as a coach. So if you're telling me that this guy won it with UConn, that's a guy I want coaching my team. If you tell me about his playing career, you're going to lose me. But he seems to have been historically a much more successful coach as he was player. So the player side to it is just is just a little added bonus to me. But knowing he is a winner is a good sign. 
Yeah, I was just doing like more of a fun facts about Kevin Ollie thing. And I guess I started with the least fun facts out there. So let me ask you a little I, trivia. Who was the most outstanding player on UConn that tournament? Oh, my goodness. Um, Jeremy Lamb? No. I'll tell no, you a hint. Probably... He was on the Nets. I don't know. Sh- who was it? Shabazz. Shabazz Napier. Shabazz yeah. Napier. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Kevin Ollie becomes head coach. Congrats to him. He's still the interim head coach. Not a great start for him. So, you know, the, the first uh, the first time he talks to the media, he has a few a few of those hardo quotes that Nick I actually love. Right? He says something like, "I, I was built for this," and that's the only thing I remember uh, from reading what he said. But you, you know, this is a guy that he, I think he just wants a shot in the NBA. And players respect him. Players like him. They said that the mood in practice right after the All-Star break was a lot different. Guys like Cam Thomas was smiling. He came up to him, gave him a hug, probably smiling because Ollie's started him the last two games. But, Nick, rough go of it. So we have two losses I want to I want to review and, and break down. First loss, 121-93 against the Toronto Raptors in Toronto. For me, this was a rough start of Kevin Alley's coaching career because it wasn't necessarily a talent thing, right? I don't think the Raptors are that much more talented than the Brooklyn Nets. They just out hustled the fuck out of us. I, I mean, they, they, they absolutely just, just ran the fast break to perfection. Gary Trent Jr. Emmanuel quickly. Those two guys combined for 49 points. Scotty Barnes chipped in with 18. RJ Barrett had 12 points and seven assists. And and we just got absolutely steamrolled, Nick. 39 to 22 in the fourth quarter. We were outscored. Just just an overall rough first game for Kevin Alley. And I, and I get it, right? Because adjustments have to be made. New coach, new offense, new look. But does a loss like this after the long all-star break concern you at all as a Nets fan? No, nothing concerns me anymore because we're constantly doomed. Uh, I was watching Love is Blind yesterday. There's a new season, season six, very entertaining for those for those watching on Netflix. Fantastic show. And they kept using the word grace. And, you know, obviously in the show, you're supposed to meet someone, never see them and get married in a month. And there's a lot of arguments. There's a lot of compromise. And they kept bringing up the word, you have to give people grace. You have to give people second chances. You have to let them learn, adjust, and figure things out on the fly, especially in a short amount of time. So I don't think Ollie could be judged a centimeter, an ounce for this loss. He just jumped in. How can you cook a great meal with shitty ingredients? I mean, that's like giving someone stale bread and moldy cheese and say, make me a fantastic grilled cheese. Right now, the Nets are lost. Kevin Ollie cannot find them in a game. Kevin Ollie cannot find them in a season. There needs to be months of, of reconstruction, of reconfiguration. And I would at this point be looking, obviously, to the next season because our playoff chances are slim to none. I don't see a big turnaround. And Kevin Ollie needs to kind of just start from the ground up. And you know what? Sometimes cleans a, cleans something up, destroying it even more. So I expect Kevin Ollie to switch lineups around, to start players in different positions, to try different combinations, to really think outside the bun, Taco Bell sponsor, and see what works and use all of that knowledge, use all that data to start fresh next season. Because you can't give someone a team with a terrible record and have that, you know, be – how they remember, not give them and not give them any grace. So I am not concerned to me. This season is a wash. I know I said, I'd come on here and be depressing, but this season is a, is now going to be used as a trial and a growing period for the next season 
what would that be? 2024, 2025 Brooklyn. Nets. I think that's fair. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. I'm not going to kill Ali for this one. I just would have liked to see him come out with more energy. That would have been nice. I, I mean, three point shooting has been abysmal for the nets and we'll get into it uh, regarding the, the Timberwolves game, but 29, 0.7% from three, 41% from the field. Toronto shot at 45% from three, 48.8% from the field. We had 20 turnovers. They had 11 turnovers. We had 39 rebounds. They had 45. So just beat us up statistically. Uh, none of the Nets scored more than – I'm sorry. We had three Nets in double figures. Mikhail Bridges had 21. He was a minus 30. Cam Thomas had 19. He was a minus 10. Lonnie Walker had 11 points off the bench. Uh, so those three guys, and, and none of them had great shooting nights. I think Cam Thomas was the only guy. He shot 50%, 8 of 16 from the field. But Mikhail was 7 of 16 from the field. Lonnie was 4 of 13 from the field. No one really had a good game for Brooklyn. Ben Simmons did have one play where um, <laughs> he took it to the rim. He finished with his offhand. He got the foul and won. And it was the only cool thing that I saw from a net, uh, or actually from Ben Simmons for most of that game. He finished with two points, four assists, four rebounds in 21 minutes. Uh, but of course, that was the play that people went nuts on. Uh, hey. on Fuck yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's, Raptors are a bad team. We actually have a better record than the Raptors 21 and 34. The Raptors are 20 and 36. Or am I not counting? Are we now 21 and 35? No, yeah. Um, but you got to also think of the mental state going into this game of a Nets team that just fired their head coach and the Raptors team at home playing against a Nets team who just fired their head coach. There has to be, and we've seen this as Nets fans throughout our careers as Nets fans, our lives as Nets fans. We've been so in these past few years, mix and match and fire and hire and switch and trade. Teams kind of get really confident playing us because we, we, we have this, kind of I think overall appearance of never really having it together and never really knowing the direction of our organization so if I'm a young Raptors team with Scotty B and RJ Barrett and quickly who are just got traded from the Knicks trying to make a name for themselves trying to take the opportunity on a losing team they're getting a shit ton of minutes this is kind of prime time opportunity you're playing a beat up Nets team you're playing a confused Nets team you're playing a Nets team that's now has to kind of find a new direction find a new coach Kevin Ollie's first game this to me is a confidence builder for the Toronto Raptors that they you know, went in with a head of steam and were able to tackle. So I think a lot of factors, not just our talent, contribute to a game like this. I think there's a lot to be said about the mentality and the confidence and the momentum of a team that's going downhill versus a team that could take advantage of that. So other things to consider just besides off-shooting nights for some players. I think you bring but up an excellent... that said, I got to see Schroeder do a lot more. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get into Dennis, Dennis Schroeder um, and the Nets point guard players of late. Everything you said was perfect, Nick, and you, you, you didn't use one word that I wanted you to use, and that's identity. And the Raptors have a, a growing identity, right? They're building around Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, and R.J. Barrett. They're a young, energetic team. They hustle. The Nets do not have an identity. They barely had one under Jacques Vaughn, and now they really ha don't have one under Kevin Ali. That's something that if they're going to accomplish anything this season in the second half of the year – I would like this team to form some type of identity. What does that mean? Are they a defensive-oriented team? Are they a three-point shooting team? Are they a free-flowing offense type of team? I, I need I need to see just 
something about them that they can show night in and night out because they've lost so many games this season due to lack of identity, due to lack of an overall game plan, especially in the fourth quarter. All right, I digress. We're going to move on to the Timberwolves game. Nets lose 101-86. Pathetic, pathetic showing by the Nets. They just got absolutely blown out in that second half. Carl Anthony Towns had 28 points. Anthony Edwards had 29. And they just, this was a game where talent totally eclipsed the Nets. Um, They just didn't have any answers on the offensive side of the ball. Mikkel Bridges was horrendous in this game, Nick. He finished with 15 points on seven of 21 from the field and one of 11 from three. So you can't play much worse than that if you're McHale. Now his three, by the way, was a garbage time three when the game was over. So really, he was 0 of 10 from three. Uh, As a team, Nick, check this out. The Nets shot six of 35 from downtown. That's 17%. And they just could not hang with the likes of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Which is sad because if you look at the box score, we got outscored by 11 in the fourth quarter and only lost by 15. So you're basically saying shooting 33% from the field and 17% from three was good enough to be down five going into the fourth quarter and still blow a game to one of the best teams in the league. I mean, it's getting frustrating because I cannot remember a game where we outscored a team in the fourth quarter. I I see the, the fourth quarter line to me, as we talked about, we might have the if not one of the top uh point differentials not in our favor in the fourth quarter all season and it's just frustrating to keep seeing that that repeating with that said i'll t- i'll try you know what i'll try to be optimistic i'll try to take a one saving grace from this a game like this t wolves are what are they still first in the west or do they get knocked down they're up 40 there. it looks like right now the t wolves are 40 and 17 which puts them tied first in the West with the Oklahoma City Thunder at 14-17 as well. Nuggets 39-19. We're a 21-35 team. We're at the bottom of the East, and we're going into the fourth quarter down five against the first number one team in the West, which kind of always goes with what we do. It's we, we stick around in games, and in crunch time, we blow it. If you look at a lot of games this season, we can hang with teams like this. There is a saving grace knowing we can hang with Anthony Edwards, KAT, who I fucking hate. I don't want to get into going on a rant with Carl Anthony Towns thinking he's like the greatest big man of all time. Give me a fucking break. Anyway, cool, cool 62-point game that your team lost. Anyway, I find a little bit uh, of ease knowing we can hang with this these teams. And at the end of the day, it does come down to a confidence issue, a starting lineup issue, a coaching issue. It really does seem like there are a few gears that need to be tweaked and we could still be in the game with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. So that's the only thing I'll take away from these games where we get blown out. If you want to call 15 a blowout, I know we lost more to the Raptors, more to the Celtics. But I'll try to take one little piece of positivity, and that's hanging with some good teams at least through three quarters. But I guess that's what separates a good team from a, a bad team from a good team is hanging all four. We tend to play Minnesota pretty tough. And I know that the reason we were in this game is it took Anthony Edwards a bit to get going. He was not really – in the game in the game plan in the beginning of the game and then in the second half he just took over the fact that he finished with one more point than cat was kind of insane because like cat dominated for two two and a half quarters and then anthony edwards just down the stretch took over uh he's incredible for me you know few few kind of takeaways from this game cam thomas 
the spacing hasn't been there like it's been in the past, and he's also not shooting extremely well from three. But I do want to say that he's been making better decisions with the ball in his hands. I think he only had four assists in this game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, two assists for Cam Thomas. Um, But he's making the right read a lot of times. So I, I do want to give him credit. He's been in the starting lineup. Give Kevin Ollie a little bit of respect for taking Cam Johnson out of there. Who, who, by the way, Cam, Cam Johnson, still in this weird shooting funk. I, I got to see more out of him. You know, he played 22 minutes off the bench. Uh, he, he did have double figures. He had 10 points, but two of seven from three, two of nine from the field. He needs to play better. If he wants to take Dorian Finney-Smith's spot down the stretch, I got to see more out of him. Um, and Nick. We, wait, was, are we, yeah. Are we going to get into this uh, Schroeder? Yeah, we are. We are. So, so here's what I'm going to say. The Nets, the Nets don't have a point guard. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. I do want to get into this. That was, that was fun. But the Nets do not have a point guard. Ben Simmons had to sit out the rest of this game with leg soreness. So his availability will always be in question with the injuries that he's dealing with. I, I don't think we're ever going to see him consistently be the point guard for the Nets. And that leaves two other guys on the roster. Dennis Schroeder, who had one good game against the Spurs, and then since then he's just played really, really bad basketball the last few games. And then you have Dennis Smith Jr., who is sort of your third backup point guard, but he's been playing heavy minutes. And my problem with DSJ, Nick, he can't shoot the ball. He's a liability on offense. He, he's just a walking brick when it comes to his three and when it comes to his mid-range. So that is the scariest thing. Like, Mikael Bridges is great as him and Cam Thomas can be. They're both not point guards. You need a, a legitimate point guard to run this offense. And the Nets have two and a half, two point guards, maybe. Cause I feel like Dennis Smith jr is half and Ben Simmons is half. And I don't know. It, it, it's tough for the team to win when they don't have a true floor general. I'd love uh, Mike Conley. That's who I'd love on my team. Mike Conley, a guy with experience. All right. So let's get into it. Cause, cause oh. I, I said my piece end of the game game's over. Uh, Timberwolves have the ball. There's probably 30, 35 seconds left. Shot clock's winding down. In most situations, you would see the team just take the shot clock violation because the game's over. In the Timberwolves situation, Conley decides to pull up for three. Now, for those who don't know, Mike Conley has never gotten an NBA technical foul in his entire career. It's 17 seasons. 17 seasons. So he takes the shot. Dennis Schroeder takes exception to him taking the shot, gets in his face, gives him like kind of a half shove forearm, but it was a pretty weak like forearm starts talking trash, they get into it, they have to be separated, and then under the basket, I don't know if you saw this, Nick, Dorian Finney-Smith and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, those two guys got into it as well. And they got technicals. And, and they Conley got did not get a technical. Schroeder yes. and those two did. Right. I also want to point out, this was a frustration move by Schroeder, obviously. We're about to lose the game that we were in the first three quarters. We blow it in the fourth. It's been an awful, frustrating season. It's like you said, it's been a frustrating adjustment for Schroeder after starting hot and all of a sudden losing his, his, his shot. What I will say about Mike Conley, not only has he never gotten a technical in 17 seasons, he has won four NBA Sportsmanship Man of the Year awards. 2014, 2016, 2019, and last year, 2023. So you are pushing a guy who's never got a technical and is a four-time sportsmanship award. Mike Conley is a beloved basketball player. 12 seasons in Memphis, couldn't get them a ring. He is he is admired there for everything he tried to do with that organization. Loved those teams with him and Zebo. Uh, and he comes here. He takes the shot at the end. He kind of talked about it in the post-game interview. He said he meant no disrespect by it. 
He said it looked like somebody was getting double teams and he kind of shot in the moment. You know, there wasn't too much logic to it, but there was no malintent to it. Do you do it? You probably don't do it. Do you forgive Mike Conley? This was a shove out of, out of frustration. What I will say, if Schroeder could bring that intensity and be an instigator, be it, you know, the Draymond Green type, you know, toned down like 99%, if he wants to do that in the second or third quarter when the T-Wolves go on an 8-10 to 10 point run and he wants to push someone and just get a little freaking hostility going, get a little aggression going to try to rally his team, I like when co- I like when coaches get technicals and they get kicked out and the team rallies and comes back and wins. I like that, but this was unnecessary. It's really nothing. It's not even worth talking about. I just thought it was very ironic and funny that you're pushing the guy who might actually be the nicest dude and the least confrontational dude in the league. Yes. So everything to what you said, yes. And by the way, you like coaches who get technical fouls, something Jacques Vaughn never did. He never got technical fouls, ever. He never got thrown out of the game, no, I think, for the Brooklyn Nets. True. And he looked frustrated a lot of the time he held it back. So I, I look at Schroeder's actions, and I think, A, it's a bad look. Uh, like what you said about showing fight earlier in the game, I don't want to see it when there's 35 seconds left and you're down 13, 15. I don't care. And by the way, before we, do you think that's a disrespectful move to, if you're Connolly to shoot it with the, when there's still time left? It's an unwritten rule. If you see every article, it's an unwritten rule. Yes. I, I, yes. I don't think it's, I mean, I'm one to talk. I remember once uh, in college in intramural basketball, I was playing, I was playing stoned out of my mind. I was crushing it from three and we're up like 14 and with three seconds left in the game, we're dribbling out the clock. I huck up a half court shot and I swish it at the buzzer to win by 17 thinking it's intramural. This dude gets in my fucking face, pushes me and goes, you fucking serious, bro. And we kind of had to separate each other. And I'm thinking in the moment, we're going to win the game. I'm just hucking up a shot at the buzzer. I want to play some more basketball. Why not? These are two different scales. But I don't think Conley shot that shot for any other reason than the clock's winding down. I got an open shot. We already won the game. Who cares? I don't think he's shooting it to say, fuck you. We're winning this game. I'm going to I'm gonna just drop the hammer here. So okay. to answer your question, that's the long version. I do think you shouldn't do it. But in this situation, I don't think it needed to get to where it was. Okay. Well, listen, I, I get it. Um, I get the unwritten rule part. I still think it's a bad look if you're Dennis Schroeder. You guys just got the crap kicked out of you. You yourself had a terrible, terrible game. Um, also, if you're going to go at the guy, get him to the ground. You know what I mean? Like, I, if, if you're going to take exception to that shot, you better push him to the point where he hits the deck. That was such a half-hearted shove, and, and I get it. You know, But, like, you still got ejected, right? Like, you should earn that ejection. So um, I don't know. I wasn't crazy about it. And then the Dorian Finney-Smith stuff, like, that was weird because I, I feel like what, what happened was the shot went up. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was under the basket. Finney-Smith gave him, like, a light kind of push, I think, in the back. Um, and then I think Walker – I don't know. They got in each other's face. One of them pushed the other in the back, but that just didn't make – I feel like that was a sense of Dorian Finney-Smith being like, yo, I've been in this league for a while. Don't Don't push me like that. Like, don't fuck with me. Uh, I love DFS. I, as long as he's a net, I want him starting every game. I, he'll, when he's open, he hits threes. Um, the two guys that the Nets need to play more of, and, and Kevin Ollie, if you're listening to this show, I need to see more Lonnie yeah, Walker. Yeah, it's confirmed. I need to see more Lonnie Walker. I need to see more Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson, the rookie from Kansas, has done nothing but good things when he's when he's out on the NBA court. Um He's a, he's a really, really nice guy. He's a class act. There's been some things that him and his mom have done for some of the victims of the Kansas City shooting because he played college ball in Kansas. So check that out. I don't have the specifics, but I, I, I know that he's done some great things for, for some 
some victims of the, the Kansas City shootings, and he's able to hit the three. And that's something that the Nets have struggled with these last few games. So play him more. I, I don't care if that means less minutes for this guy or that guy. You're at the point, Kevin Ollie, where you don't want this to be a lost season. And how you accomplish that is figuring out what the hell you got in Noah Clowney and Jalen Wilson and those guys. Well, let me ask you this, because I agree. I love Lon- I've been a Lonnie Walker guy for years. He he's got ice in his veins. I've seen him have some huge games in LA. Do you think it is a matter of you know, they're developing these players, they're trying to figure out where they fit. Or do you think it is genuinely they brought all these guys that they're paying a lot of money, they got these veterans who expect a lot of time, they're not going to bench a Cam Johnson, they're not going to bench a Mikhail Bridges, they're not going to bench a DFS. How much of it do you think is we're doing what's best to win versus we have to play some certain guys who we owe playing time and therefore guys like Lonnie and Jalen who are, who are doing well get put on the back burner? Yeah, I think it's probably 70-30 right now because in 70% you have to win, 30% you have to see what you've got because you are a few games behind Atlanta for that play-in tournament. You're you're not far off and um and Trey Young is out for a few weeks. So, if you're Brooklyn, you do not have that hard of a schedule these next few games. If you can pick up some games on Atlanta, and I, I think that Jalen Wilson like getting getting him some playing time. I I think that'll attribute to wins. Noah Clowney, on the other hand, yeah, he's someone that if you're trying to win ball games, I don't know how much run he should get with with a healthy Claxton and a healthy Dayron Sharp. Who you know Sharp was out for a few games. He's back now, so I think it's seventy thirty. And I think the closer you get to the plan, depending on where you are, you're going to want to probably switch that to say sixty forty in favor of looking at the young guys, depending on where you are. I think it's a good question though. Thank um, you. All right. All right, Nick, let's look ahead. We got back-to-back games starting tonight, Monday, 8 p.m. EST against the Memphis Grizzlies. That's in Memphis. And then tomorrow, February 27th in Orlando against the Magic at 7 p.m. So, Nick, do the Nets break their four-game losing streak? And does Kevin Ollie get his first win tonight or tomorrow? Or neither. Yeah. Uh... I want to think we could beat the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies beat the Bucks with Lillard and Giannis. So, I mean, I don't have a lot of confidence, but the Grizzlies are not a great team. Another run-and-gun team. Are we gonna, Are they going to blow right by us like these young Raptors did? They kind of have a similar game plan. So, I don't think we win the next two games, but if I had to pick, I'd say we win tonight over the Grizzlies pending, you know, a great performance. I think the Magic are going to be too tough for us, especially down in Orlando. But, hey, and then we got Thursday home at, against the beat-up Hawks, like you're saying, so maybe that's where the first one comes. I'll, I'll put I'll put the confidence in for tonight against the Grizzlies. I think if we lose tonight, though, we only really have a shot on Thursday to get that first Ollie win. I think Ollie gets it done in Orlando. For some reason, the Nets – play really well against the Magic. Some of their best wins have been against Orlando, some of their most complete basketball games. So I think that Orlando is a game we win. I think tonight's tough. I think we'll probably lose tonight, like you said, because the Grizzlies are kind of the Raptors of the West. So I can see us getting outworked tonight, which I hate to say, but we're still trying to figure it out, right? Kevin Alley is still trying to figure it out uh, with this team. Ben Simmons, I don't have an update on his availability. It is 541 on Monday, and right now he is listed as questionable, I believe. 
So uh, again, I, I don't know what this team, Oh, he's, Oh no, this is from February 24th. I don't know what this team is going to look like. Um, you know, whether Simmons plays or not, but I think we lose against the Grizzlies. I think we win in Orlando. I'd Those love are my to see picks. It. Love to see it. All right. Before we close, I just wanted to give my bet of the week. And this is brought to you by nobody except myself. Uh, this is the Brooklyn Nets same game parlay, Nick, plus 626 are the odds. You ready? Cam Thomas to score more. And this is for tonight's game against the Grizzlies. Cam Thomas to score 15 or more points. Mikhail Bridges to score 20 or more points. Cam Thomas, two threes at least. Nick Claxton to score 10 or more points. Nick Claxton to record eight or more rebounds. Brooklyn Nets money line. $5 gets you $36. So you're, you want people to listen to this once you hit it and be impressed because you're giving betting advice on a podcast for a game tonight but this podcast won't get released until well, people, Tuesday people morning. are listening live, Nick. It's it's live. So our YouTube listeners will get these bets. And if you're okay. a subscriber to YouTube, you you're able to make these bets right now, as opposed to listening to the next day. Right, lock, yeah. Lock them in, lock them in lock boys. Them in. I also thought it was interesting that I said the Nets will lose tonight, but in my parlay, I had the money line. Good. Good job. Yep. Great. Great. All right, we're going we're gonna to close it out. A few quick announcements real fast. Uh, thanks to everybody who tuned into my Bleacher Report streams in February. I did four Bleacher Report streams about the Brooklyn Nets uh, under, I think it's Spen Harris, at Spen Harris. So in the future, I'll let you guys know when I do those streams again. But to everyone who tuned in, who's a fan of the show, thank you so much. Uh, new bonus episode coming out in a few days. I'm having CJ Holmes, who is our monthly Nets insider. He'll be back on the show for his monthly appearance, so I'll let you know when that's going to come out. Uh, there are going to be some minor, potentially major changes to the podcast, but despite the show being under construction, we're going to still be putting out episodes weekly. Nick will be here. We'll have some different co-hosts. I'll do some solo dolo episodes, the whole nine yards, but Fireside Nets isn't going anywhere. We just might be doing some construction on the show. We'll see. And then finally, as always, subscribe to our YouTube page. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Fireside Nets. Thanks to everyone for listening and sticking with us.